0: And welcome to Possibilities, the show where we give people living with a variety of different abilities and their loved ones a space to share their lives with the world. Thank you for joining us today. And here's your host, Danny Steves. Thank you, Andy. And welcome to a a very special edition of Possibilities. As you can see, right off, the top of my right off the top of my show I'm not alone I I actually have a co-host today Um, if you're watching this on YouTube you would recognize her Um, uh, Jessica Jessica J. G- has been on the show um, twice, I, I guess. So, I'm really um, happy to welcome her into the co-host seat. And um, today, we don't have a partic- particular particular guests on the show but we thought as um as co-hosts we'll just have a conversation with each other so, so that's what we're gonna do we'll see what comes up so we apologize if um it gets a little long but we'll see what comes up Anyway, welcome
1: to the Jeff. Thanks, Danny. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, Great to have you here. Um, uh, first, is it, first, is it different co-hosting than and being I guess, on the show, or is it, uh, 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 do you think
1: it's going to be the the same? I think I'll have to let you know after I've done it, uh, maybe after this episode, but I imagine it'll be kind of similar, you know me, I can, you know, I'm I'm pretty comfortable, and can talk about pretty much anything, so I I think it'll go well. I also want to... uh, apologize just to our listeners and possibly to myself when I try to edit this later. There is a little bit of construction going on um, out front of my apartment, and I was hoping they'd be done by now, but you, if you hear anything, it's just because no of that. No
0: problem. Um, and for those, for those people who are listening to us on Spotify um, Yes, um, I'm in my studio, and Jeff is in her studio. My studio is in Newst- Newstead, um, Ontario, and her, her studio is in, um, in Toronto, Ontario, or just outside of Toronto.
1: I- Jeff, I'm in Toronto today. Um, Toronto today, yeah, I'm in Toronto at my apartment, um, just downtown near Greektown. Uh, yeah, um, so, um, getting, getting
0: on with the show here, um, uh, Jeff and I have, um, known each other for, um, oh, gosh, I, uh, Okay. I'm not good with numbers yet, but I was say- five years? Years, maybe?
1: Yeah, five, five or six years now, I think. Yeah, um,
0: and we'll tell you more about that in a minute, but, um, Jeff, I thought we might start by sharing a bit bit more of how we got to know each other and how how I asked you to be on the production team. How did that Mm -hmm. sound? Um, Sounds great. uh, Do you want to take it
1: away or should I? I? I I think you should lead it for now, and I'll jump in where I feel appropriate. Yeah. Um.
0: Okay. Um. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I met five or six years ago, when I, we said it and it, we we both serve on the CP net community committee out of Hamilton, Ontario. Um, and CPNet is really a, a connection of, maybe I'll hand it over to you, Jeff, to explain what CPNet
1: uh, is. Uh, CPNet is a network of research and um, hospitals. And um, yes, it's a, it's a network of universities, hospitals, rehab centers, uh, clinicians, and just a, a number of people who are all involved in the research, in, research about and care of people with cerebral palsy and um we all sort of get together to share our resources and experiences um which also as as you can probably imagine from you know danny and i sitting here before you as two people with cp in addition to um intellectuals researchers scientists cl- clinicians it's also a network of it also includes a network of people um with cerebral palsy as well as their their family and caregivers, and so we all kind of get together to work on a variety of research and awareness projects, and as well as just to sort of um, you know get to know each other and 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 share share yeah share our experiences. Yeah,
0: um, absolutely, um, and I am, um, I like to be with. Um, of was here because I, uh, when, when I first joined, I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure about joining because I wasn't sure if that was really my area of expertise, but um, I, I think I'm, getting more comfortable as time goes on. Um but it's really um what what would you say is the biggest eye opening eye opener being
1: on that community, to yes? Um I would say given that I joined probably you know, just over six years ago. When I first joined, I didn't really know much about the research process, you know, how they came mm-hmm. to decide what to do research on and, and and the process of, you know, developing a question and going about finding results and, you know, the processes involved in getting ethics approval and in finding participants and and you know, gathering that 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 result, answering that question, and um, as well as you know, how then do we share this information with the public? Which I think is you know something that CPNet is quite good at, and in a, in in a, in the best way is always looking to improve. I think that's one of the reasons that you and I um, get along with them so well. Um, but definitely that that figuring out that research process and all that goes into it, that it's, you know, equally not as complicated or as easy or as simple as I originally thought it was. Um, no, me I think now I'm a lot more sympathetic to researchers. You, you know me, yeah. I still tell them exactly what I think, but I have a better understanding of what they're trying to do and what they're working with and and, you know, how things came to be, so... Yeah, and I
0: am, I'm, I, even though I'm, I'm in a, pretty much in the same boat as you are in terms of, um, my time spent on keeping it, I, I really struggle with the... The um, research aspect, and I'm, I'm, like, so what, what, what the heck are we trying to look out of this? Like, sometimes it like, um, it goes over my head, and so I'm really um not not sure about something and um not sure about things I'm not, but I I do my best. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I would uh, say I think I think based on our our you know conversations I think what you and I sometimes wish is that we could maybe drop a little bit of the scientific approach and embrace a little bit more of a journalistic approach, which is a, is is equally as um, wide reaching or can be if done properly, but is a little bit you know quicker on the results. You know, you want to know something you want to you want to talk to people. Will you just like pick up the phone? and ask or write an email and ask and then you know much more quickly maybe within a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of weeks or even a couple of months you you talk to people on the regular and you get answers and you know that's what the researchers are doing as well but there's a lot more steps involved and there's approval and like i said there's ethics and and that kind of thing and you know And analysis, and sometimes the use of scientific equipment and things like that. Where I think, and the longer that we've done it, the more we come to understand that. But I think you and I, at our core, are more like journal. We're more journalistically minded. Where if we want to know something, we're just gonna like ask people, ask whoever we think might have an answer who wants to talk to us, and call it a day. Right? Yeah. Who? Who
0: cares? Uh, I'd to be careful because I know I know some of the uh, uh co um co um what you call it call
1: co me- investigators.
0: Yeah, co inv- investigators, uh, investigators. So uh, we we'd rather be careful. We we. To say you're right. Know, uh, sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're Like who? Who gives a? Who gives a clap about a about ethics and will? Will just will we'll just sit down with those people and? Uh, she he won't come without. But yeah. anyway, um, I uh, yeah, I am getting a bit of COVID care, but I uh, <laughs> um um but um yeah, Jack and I have known each other for. Thank
1: because it gave me an opportunity to sort of practice my, some of my journalism school skills that I haven't maybe used in a while, because when I graduated, I sort of stepped away from journalism and more into you know, communications and web development and, and you know, developing resources and courses for uh, people with disabilities and, and, and their families. Um, so this uh, this opportunity working with you on the show on your production team gave me an opportunity to sort of put that journalistic hat kind of back on and 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 practice my editing skills which I still think are you know getting better over time but that that's you know um, that's sort of the point I and really- I, and I really like um, I really like your show and the the way that you you just sort of talk about things that you feel need to be talked about. And it can be like serious or a little bit more fun or whatever. Um I just really liked what you're doing with this with this platform and I and I wanted to be a part of it. I so. agree, yeah.
0: Um and um I'm I'm so grateful to have you on the team because you you open uh a huge amount of um, here because you handle my editing, what like you said, and and um, and uh, you put it on YouTube and all of that,
1: yes, for me. So, I'm We're
0: really
1: at the podcasting side of things, which is kind of fun, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we just our our skills and our 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 mindsets, our opinions and such um yeah. just complement each other so, um so um it, yeah
0: i uh, yeah, I agree because if you want again, if you are listening to uh, us on smaller five weeks. Honestly, it's probably better for this particular particular episode. Um, um, uh, But if you're listening to this on Spotify right now, you are probably wondering, why the heck is he starting on episode 20? Uh, t- twenty two. Where is episode uh twenty one or um, nowhere episode one? And that is because uh, um, my uh, my area of expertise is only on YouTube. And I um when I uh, picked the idea for my uh, podcast, version for the the um for the show, my production team and um, Jack and Mark um will will talk about my laser and shoulder is um for right now jack has really taken over the editing process and um put me on spotify so that's why my um my show only starts on episode 21 or whatever it goes on 5 but if you are interested you can go over to my youtube channel and uh, start from the very beginning but <laughs> uh um yeah but anyway i and before we completely run out, of time I do want to get your get your opinion on some um, disability and stories just because that's what we here to do and um, so far, we've been talking a lot of ourselves and that's not what our audience is here for. So um, my, my, my first question to you is, uh, my first topic is patient, uh, patient and um patient and you research which we we are in the middle of right now um uh why do you think that is so so important uh, um yeah why do you think that is so important
1: patient engagement in research is crucial. It's one of the reasons why I, like I mentioned earlier, it's one of the reasons why I so uh, respect and enjoy being a part of CPNet and CANchild by extension. CPNet is the CP specific arm of it, but it's also part of a larger research network called CANchild. And part of the reason why I'm so excited to to find them and get involved, um, you know, so many years ago was because they did really try to focus on and include the patient perspective, you know, that leads back to that, you know, sort of tagline that we use and I've noticed it catching on other places but that whole, nothing about us without us, you know um you know if you want to find out about people with disabilities in their perspective or kids with disabilities in their perspective or well, family people with disabilities in their perspective you should ask us right we're the ones who live it we're the ones who will be able to tell you um you know what's up you know what we what we experience every day and you know it's a little bit different for each of us but that's part of the reason why it's so important to get our to to engage us in research and engage you know younger generations in research too because you know I'm getting past that young adult that young adult age um but it's so important so am,
0: to so am I really?
1: <laughs> but you know if you want to know what our experiences are and how we think and how we feel and and, you know, what kind of research or uh, interventions, medicine, therapy, programs, whatever that we need or is going to help us or maybe isn't, you know, it's nice, like you tried, but it isn't quite working out the way you, they thought it was going to, you know, we're the best people to ask. Yeah. Right. So that is why patient engagement is so important. You know, it it sort of it really dictates and informs the research and therefore the you know future of medicine and programming and, and that kind of thing, which all sounds really heavy, but it's really not once you get into it. You you sort of get talking and realize how it applies to your everyday life.
0: Yeah, because I <laughs> I bet that people watching or listening to us right now are are like, what the heck are we talking about?
1: (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed by the concept or the idea of research. Like it sounds very um, academic and sort of like, oh, I couldn't do that. But really all it is is like talking to people and and you know investigating, seeing what's out there, learning from people's perspective, and learning and building on what already exists and looking for ways to, you know, A find a problem and B looking for ways to solve it, right? And and yes, part of it is, you know, looking through existing paperwork and books and all that kind of geeky stuff that you and I do love in our own way but a big part of it too is like we're doing right now just talking talking to each other talking to people finding out about I'll, I'll keep it sounds redundant but I'll keep saying it because it's just so true of like finding out you know the good and bad of people's experiences and sort of learning what needs to change what works and what hasn't and like building on that you know all of that informed yeah experience that informs future medicine, future programs, future policy, if, you know, if we want to get big and talk government, um, you know, and for people with disabilities, that is a ever-changing, ever-evolving, ever-necessary um, arm of things, you know?
0: hmm I agree um, wholeheartedly, but I'm um, curious of what what if what if one of our CP net members are listening to us right now and um are are thinking to us and then how are they gonna are they gonna tell us how to Change something of um, um, what what we get what we get me to uh, um, the higher up people, if you will, if they are, um, if AI listening me to this or wanting more more taking on how to um, adapt that to what we want to see. Does that make sense?
1: hmm hmm um, I think mm, uh, the, you know, the core part of my message, the first part of my message would say, would be, you know, keep up the good work. Um, they've always done great at, you know, sort of doing from like the bottom up sort of research. And by that, I mean like, by talking to and including people with disabilities and families of people with disabilities to sort of inform their research questions, but what we've been sort of talking about more recently in some of our some of our group meetings and in the youth engagement and research um, meetings, which you'll remember, Danny, too, is the importance of making those materials and those conversations and those meetings, those things that we do to engage with youth with disabilities, it's so important that that, that those things be accessible. Mm. And and you know, being willing to collect information and experiences, communicate in a variety of different ways, whether that yeah. be verbally, like you and I often do, or in writing, or with um alternative communication methods, whether it be, you know, computers or um, sign language or however people communicate, um, you know, written in a video, whatever, Be just be open to making sure that all of that is accessible. The way we collect information and have conversations is accessible. The materials that we put out, you know, I'm very passionate about document accessibility, right? Making mm-hmm. sure things are, are um, you know, coded properly for screen readers or that videos have captions and, and things like that, which is something I've at started adding to your videos as well. Um, again, work in progress, but I, I really do try. I think it's important. Um, transcripts and, and, you know, um, creating, you know, pro- if you provide written material, you know, yeah. make sure. Make sure it's successful for screen readers. Maybe make sure it's possible to increase the uh, the text size, or you know, the, the website is, you know, all the images have alt text, and you can increase the increase the uh, text size and all of those little things. And also just to be willing to say, like, this is the type of information that we have, or the type of questions that we have for you. Is there anything that we can do to make that easier or more accessible for you, right?
0: Yeah, yeah and that's so important because um, a, a lot of it, and maybe this is a, a show that you and I can talk about in the future once we get in in our production move again. Um, But maybe we need um, to talk to those people in the research sector and say, this is what we need. This is what we want to see. How can we make this happen? Because you're right. This is not a problem, that is not, this is a problem that will only increase. So I think we do need to talk more about this. You're right. Um, uh, I I wanted to bring another topic to the table uh, quickly. Because I I I thought it was an interesting um, scenario, Uh, and that is the topic of um, people people with disabilities uh, finding employment. Yes. and you and I have talked about this um, on numerous occasions, on and off camera. I think we um, I uh, I think we talked about it on, on both shows that you you were on um before, but we're talking about it now. Again, um, with a bit of a quick, a first of all, why do you think it's important for people, to, people in the workforce to ha- have someone with a disability working for them and, and Why isn't there more
1: of it, I guess? Well, you know, this is just my perspective. Someone else may agree or disagree, as I've often said to Danny in the past. And I think you're right. We do talk about it a lot amongst ourselves. And we've talked about it on the show before. And we likely will, again, with like a more focused in the future. But I don't think it's one of those things that really can get old until there's a lot of you know big notable change but why is it important that you know we're in the workforce yeah. why why is it important that someone has you know people with disabilities on their on their staff in their in their workplace i think one of the many reasons is that we bring a different perspective right mm-hmm. we bring again we bring that lived perspective i often lately work in communications and building websites and that kind of thing. And with, with all, I bring my life experience and the experience of close friends of mine um, to yeah. that. And I'll say, yeah. you know, this is why it's important that your website be accessible. And this is some things that we can do to, to make it more accessible And, you know, I can explain firsthand why, you know, doing things a bit differently is to the benefit of that employer or the organization. And it's not such a big, scary thing, right? I bring that knowledge and that experience with me to say, like, this is why it's important. This is what we can do about it. And, you know, through those conversations, I generally you know, generally those around me who maybe previously didn't understand that, you know, those barriers or, or that, ex- that experience that, that, you know, people with disabilities have was a real thing or, you know, that it's much more easily remedied than they initially thought, you know. So yeah. A, that's important and B, that it can be, you know, solved. Uh, So I think that's definitely a big thing that we bring is, you know, that that lived experience that that lens. Right. Um, And and the other thing is is that there's a lot of people with disabilities, some some degree of disability in the world. And, you know, now that people are going to live longer, even people who are not disabled now may be disabled in the future ever mm-hmm. increasingly yeah. population yeah. of people with disabilities right so yeah. it's just a really vast untapped workforce yeah right and yeah. um, and the more we can participate and the more we can contribute and provide for ourselves the easier it'll be on everyone um you know why and not then, yeah
0: and i'm I'm almost hesitant to bring, bring this up because I don't want to get into um, too much trouble here, but but I will because I want your opinion on it. Um, and I think the audience would be interested in this, um. In this uh, statistic as well, um, and that is, I was doing some research, and I found that um, the person that I was talking to, and I'm um, gonna cover my butt here, and not mention his name um okay. Tim Robert, he he was saying that um over
1: Definitely, I like I said, I don't have any like research or, or facts on that at the moment. Um, but I would definitely just like off the cuff with you know a little bit of like armchair expert, um, observation and reason. I would definitely think that it would be more difficult, right? Because, in terms of you know, that's like a triple minority, right? You're a person with disability female, although females are less minorities than they once were, but they're, they've been, sure. you know, historically discriminated against in the workplace for a long time. And then, you know, there's the whole equal pay issue, right, between men and women, um, or lack thereof, I should say. Um, and then if you were to add in, you know, being a person of color, that is, you know, that's three... That's that's three levels of adversity right there. And, that's three levels of difference. Yeah,
0: and that is that goes for the male male perspective as well. Doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, for the last um, little bit here, um, well, I don't know so much then we have left, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but my last, um, my last topic, uh, and then I want to hear from you is, um, because I, I was um, watching a um, a uh, a. A video before we we came on the air about uh, with our esteemed CP net colleague um, Young William Go uh, G- G- and he was he was saying that, um, something about. Um, uh, we we need to um and I forget his um that word but something like we need to uh, um get get used to um having uh, disabilities. In the world, because that is, and um, that is um only, only gonna um grow um, but what what he said.
1: that's true. And I, and I've had a number of conversations and continue to do some work, advisory work with um, uh, Dr. Wilhelm Gorter on this topic, um, particularly transitioning from the pan, uh, transitioning from the pediatric to adult medical system, but also as far, it also applies to other types of, you know, services and, and that, that um, are available to Kids and then adults, or or lack thereof, um, with disabilities and, and that kind of thing. When we're kids, you know, there's a lot open to us. There's a whole system that, you know, has its flaws and has its difficulties. But if you're able to, if you're able to get into it, you're sort of funneled along the whole way, right? You get diagnosed, you get hooked up with the right team of doctors, you get into a, a physio or a rehab center like Grandview or Boardview and, yeah. and, and everyone just sort of, and you have a whole team of people around you, a whole team of experts. And you just sort of grow up in that system, receiving the care as you go. And, and like I said, it's not a hundred percent perfect and, and we'll always advocate, advocate and continue to work to improve that. But there is that system that sort of you know follows you along and helps you as much as it can Uh you turn you know 18 21 maybe even 25 um depending on where you live or you know services you need or what physio center you're a part of you know there's that whole system and the idea is to you know help us along and, and set us up for the best quality of life possible um you know and, 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 and that is a, that's a great way to look at it. It does, you know, we definitely need that that serious care um, early in life. But uh, as as Danny, you and I have talked about, and, and you know, I've talked to a number of people at Can Child about, and so have you. Uh, just because we turn 21 doesn't mean we stop having CP or some other, you know, well- right and but the system isn't really set up like that you know you're meant to sort of graduate and then you know they might give you a pamphlet or you know some kind of service uh recommendation and and you know good luck right especially if you are you know sort of high functioning um -hmm. like 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 me for instance I don't need a lot of the obvious care. My condition is very stable. i no. I have moderate CP, but I am pretty independent, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything like quote unquote serious.
0: Yeah and that and that's what and that's what Dr. Gordon was saying is that um he was saying that to the doctors who who treat people with um shipy is that doesn't necessarily go away when you're um when you um a king it, it doesn't magically go away so not, not the the was saying that we need to be ready for that to happen way before that that happens. Otherwise we, and I'm paraphrasing you, but basically you were saying you need to have that conversation before you need it, otherwise we're You are absolutely stuck when it comes Mm -hmm. to um, having your care or effort. Would you agree with
1: that statement? Definitely. I do think that it's an ongoing conversation, probably from like the age of 14. And, and, you know, in, in the, the same kind of like, like 12, 13, 14 at various levels, depending on, you know, cognitive understanding and life circumstances. But it's just like on some level, it's just like how you would teach any, you know, teenager how to start thinking about taking care of themselves. You know, when you're a kid, you're, you have parents and, and, you know, caregivers, guardians that sort of. You know take care of things and remind you when your doctor's appointment is and when you need to go to the dentist and you know when you need to buy new clothes and and those types of things and you know if you have a disability then you know you have all those same things as as your non-disabled peer but then you also have to worry about you know going to get your physicals and check in with your various specialists and go to your physio so that you can you know, maintain or improve your mobility um, from, from what it is. Uh, And, you know, that you need to, as you grow, or, you know, things wear out that you need to, like, replace your equipment. Like the process of buying a new wheelchair as an adult is quite complicated. And I know, for me, it was kind of challenging, because I'd only I'm, I'm a part time I'm a part-time walker, part-time wheelie, probably more of a walker than I am a, a wheelchair user. But because of that, I'm pretty light on my equipment and I can use it for a long time. So I managed, to, I got a new one when I turned 18 and then I didn't need, an, or just before I turned 18, like I think I was 17, I started the process for like funding purposes and that kind of thing. And then I didn't need another one for about 10 years. So I was almost 30 when I was like, well, wait, I'd never thought really, and no one has ever, we never really talked about how to go about buying a new wheelchair, like filling out the paperwork, getting the funding, figuring out which part I have to pay for, which part the government's going to pay for. um, How, where do I go to get it? How do I get my measurements? Like all those types of things, right? And then there's, you know, I also when I graduated from physio I was like yeah I don't have to do physio because like no one really likes physio when they're a kid but after about like four years maybe even less probably like three years I was yeah. like hey I'm starting to notice that I'm not as resilient as I used to be and physio might be useful but then there was this whole process of like finding a physio as an adult yeah. right because you know, not all of the adult physios know about cerebral palsy. They're like, wait, you don't have a sports injury? Like, yeah. excuse me, I Google it. And like everyone's well-intentioned, but, you know, yeah. and like I said earlier, because I'm pretty lucky in that I don't have a lot of medical issues, I was just kind of on my own. Um, and, and, you know, everyone's really well-intentioned, but you can kind of feel like you're just like out to sea. <laughs> yeah. And you're part of a minority, so there's not a lot of people around, or a lot of like readily available resources. Like, there's no user manual or guide that says like how to be an adult with a disability. although that's a book idea. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Um, and one more. Um, i going two more uh, questions on this. Um, um, topic. Um, uh, why do you think, um, uh, P- 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 D- S- not-nosed are so, um, so, um, uh, let me rephrase that. Um, do you, um, do you think um do uh, do you think people with disabilities who are in the do you think they get better care than uh, a girl do or what is Your
1: opinion on that? I think they. I'm not sure on like the quality of like once you're in care the quality on like the case by case basis. However, yeah. I, overall, they probably receive better care because like I said, you have that whole system that sort of exists, it's flawed, but it exists to sort of guide you and set you up for your like, best quality of life, right? And it's very, you know, obviously kids, they're very vulnerable and they need people to look out for them and by extension, you know, things are caught and things are taken care of, where when you're an adult, you know, it's much easier to sort of let things slide because you don't really know who to ask. Or maybe you only go to the doctor twice a year. You know what I mean? Like things can sort of get lost because you, in my experience and the experience of many people that we know, we have less of that team around us to be like, hey, like this seems a little bit odd. What do you think? Or to have the doctor be like, has it always been like that? Like what, like, you know, where, when you're older, you're like, well, again, I will see the doctor soon-ish, you know, maybe if it's still a thing in like three months when I go for my checkup, I'll, I'll mention it. And then maybe it slips your mind or it's like better on that. That happens to me a lot. I'm like, I need to make an appointment. I have this issue. And then by the time I get to the doctor, whether it be like a few weeks or a couple of months later, the issue, is not super an issue on that day so I think it's fine and then you know makes a magical reappearance later um and so I think probably the fairest way to say it is that there's definitely appears to be a lower quality or standard of care with adults because it is so disjointed where especially for people with disabilities, the pediatric care is much more of like a, a team yeah. effort, right? And,
0: and going off of that, I, I think that the, the specialists the spec, the specialist who specialize in disabilities are much more equipped to handle disabilities than the, the
1: other family
0: doctors.
1: Would you agree with that statement? I would Um, and again I think it's I don't think it's for lack of lack of care but I definitely think that the the specialists like I remember my my, my surgeon, for, for obvious reasons, would know a lot more about my CP than, say, my family doctor. Uh, you know, family doctors, by very nature, has to be very broad, right? It's called a general practitioner for a reason, um, but the issue with that is, is that often those doctors, especially when you get older, the, your general practitioner is your gateway to that specialist right so if they don't if they don't really understand the disability or the issue that you're trying to present to them that often we don't necessarily understand either sometimes yeah. we do sometimes we don't yeah. it depends on on the day uh in the situation right if you if if no one is 100% understanding the situation because maybe it's never happened before or you know you're like one of three of the Hundreds of patients that they have who has CP, uh, you know, they don't see it very often, and therefore they don't really understand it. And then you, so you might get, you know, sent to the wrong specialist. <laughs> um, I've had that happen before, and it was not anything ill-intended. It was everything was with the best of intentions, but it can take a lot longer, especially in the Canadian healthcare system, as great as it is. Um, that you know you get to one specialist and and you had to wait to get there because there's a wait list and then you find out like oh no you would have been better off to go to this doctor over here right Um, Um, and like i said we just inherently have more of a focus on pediatric care which i like i said i understand you know is where we started is where they started doing their research you know because you're often born with cerebral mm, palsy for example Right. So like, what are we going to do to improve the quality of life of these kids? And so like, that's all really well intentioned, but now they're doing such a great job that it sounds a little glib, but sometimes I say to get the the researchers to pay attention. Sometimes I'll say, well, you know, you've all done such a great job that now we're not dying. (laughs) We're living to adulthood. Now we need to maybe refocus a little bit or expand our focus, you know, we work so hard to get these kids to live and have good quality of lives, but now they're adults and what we're are we, are we just kind of dropping the ball, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it will change over time. It's just a real slow go and you have to get people to sort of get on board. And
0: that is,
1: that is
0: what I appreciate about uh, um Young. Yeah. Um, that Gord, uh, the um flatness is because he's he's part of the, this new um, newer field called prairie one of the big long word and mm-hmm. um. I have the um, same same um, as well. No, no,
1: A couple of convers- a few conversations with people recently about pediatrics and how I probably need to get one. <laughs> if anything, and, and transition is very complicated, but it just occurred to me now that maybe that's one of the things that we need to hook people up with when they start to age out of the pediatric system. Maybe everyone needs one of you, like, you know, here's your referral to a physiatrist. And then, like, you know, welcome to adulthood. Here's the first step. Uh, you know, instead of just sort of being left out on your own you know often uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. if you're lucky you can transition from one one system or one hospital or one rehab center to another but not always you know in my in my case I graduated from Grandview and then moved away to school like I went to college and university so I moved to a whole new city and sort of had to start again um, and that can be really discombobulating, right? So maybe that's what we need to do. But when you were when you were talking, one of the things that came to mind that I appreciated is that you they see us. You said they see us as a whole, right? We're a whole person with a variety of issues, disabilities, life circumstances, right? One of the and and you and I probably had this discussion before too, but especially when you start to transition, you're. disability is pretty much what it is and you can improve certain things and learn new skills and things to improve things areas here and there but you know doctors often want to cure something that's the very nature of what they do but cp for example can't really be cured right so i like that idea of like you know seeing seeing us as our as our whole is one of the reasons why i like my physiotherapist so much is that you know, she has her opinions and things that she can do to help me and has opinions about what I can do better, but ultimately she's not trying to, like, cure my CP and, you know, she cares about what activities I do in my life and we work together to try to, you know, be realistic about...
0: And, and again, and again, I, I really appreciate um, her to because I they look at you as a whole and and then if there's something wrong with you that they can't treat them, tell you, they refer you refer you to a specialist who is specifically um, used to um, Having patients with that particular issue, so so that is something that I would like to see in the future, having more often, and and um if if people are interested in um, finding out more the better good maybe uh, uh that would be a good show for us maybe in the future
1: I was just thinking that we should do some research and maybe find um a doctor who who ha- uh, has a history or background in disability yeah um specifically there's probably yeah. some around you know sick kids and, and, and then that, that comes to mind so yeah um, we should look that in the future. Yeah, so um, we're, uh,
0: we're running a bit short on time here, but um, before we go, uh, did you have anything on your list uh, that you wanted to bring up?
1: Um, not the moment. I think we covered a, a lot of good ground. You know me, I'm always good to bring up something to do with employment, but you, you got there for me, which I really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, um, I'll just st- store some of my other thoughts away for future episodes. <laughs> All right.
0: So, so if, um, uh, because I'm sure this is not going to be on that one because um because I I like this for that so um and so we'll do this again. So um oh okay audience, if if you if you want to get in touch with um us us Here at um, possibilities, our email address is um, possibilitiesshow at gmail dot com, and um, we, we try to um, we try to uh, put on an episode once a month, but I know. That we haven't been too persistent at it, but uh, we'll try to get better at it. Between the two of us, um, um we'll try to uh, get more content. Out there. So, if you if you have any ideas for us. To investigate, please get into contact with us. Once again, our email address is possibilities show at gmail.com. And as we always say, keep the gifts of our disabilities and we'll see you next time or I will see you next time for sure I don't know who guess but she'll be back in more episodes in the future so we will see you next time bye for now